Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, welcome to Blue Ridge Church. My name is Cody and uh, I'm one of the pastors here. Look, I want to tell you that little boy does get a Nintendo Switch. I know you were going to be thinking about it the whole time, but it all ends well. I just want to welcome you this morning, whether you're joining us in person or online. We're so glad that you're hanging out with us uh, this year, and Happy New Year to you. This morning, we're starting a brand new series called Transform, and if you want to follow along with us today with some notes, you can scan this QR code on the side screens, and uh, that'll just pull up some notes for you to help you follow along. But kind of our theme verse throughout this series comes from Romans 12, 2 through 3. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so the reason that we're talking about this is that God constantly is wanting us to transform. He wants us to transform into the image of his son, Jesus. And the way that we say that around here and the way that we put that into practice here is that we believe that we exist to help people find and follow Jesus. And what we know is that if you've been following Jesus for six months or 60 years, that we all have a next step to take towards Jesus. And really, we all have a next step to take towards a renewed mind. And it's easy to talk about transformation around this time of year, isn't it? Because we're all thinking about what it is that we want to transform. I mean, I know many of us probably have made a New Year's resolution this year. I know even more realistically that many of us have broken a New Year's resolution already this year. It's all right, you know, confession's good for the soul, right? But this time of year is when we start thinking about what we want in our life to transform. And really, sometimes this is the time of year when we begin thinking about what desperately needs to transform in our life. And so you may already be able to fill in this blank, but this is the year for fill in the blank, for whatever you want, whatever you have your mind Set on. And, and listen, I hope that this is the year. That if you made a resolution, uh, that this is the year that that comes true for you. But listen, if we're honest, isn't it kind of a bummer? You know, we, we come up with a resolution, we come up with a word, we come up with something to change this year, and we get all this energy and excitement around it, but at the same time, we're reminded and we're maybe even a little bit haunted about last year's resolution. And we're reminded when we make this year's resolution of all the stuff that we didn't get in 2023. That another year went by and another resolution was made and and quickly forgotten. You know, and I didn't lose the weight and I didn't stop that habit, and I didn't read a book a month, I didn't get my finances in order, I didn't save more, I certainly didn't uh, spend less, I didn't get that new car, I didn't start my 401k, I didn't start that business, 
whatever it might be for you. And now we're in a new year and everyone around us is making resolutions and I'm stuck thinking about all the stuff that I didn't get in 2023. All the things that didn't happen for me last year. And listen, I know for some of you, it's not silly stuff. You know, it's, it's not a little bit of weight. It's that 2023 year came and went, and that was the year that you were supposed to find a spouse, but you didn't find a spouse. It was the year that you were hoping to have a baby, and you didn't have a baby. You've been trying. That 2023 was the year that all of that legal stuff was supposed to get settled, and it didn't get settled. It was the year that I was finally going to find healing and stop missing that person, but I'm still missing them. It was that year that all my estranged relationships were going to get fixed and my family was going to come back together. And it didn't happen. And I know for, for some of us, we're on the other end of the spectrum, and 2023 was a great year. You know, we made it. We got the dream job. We lost the 20 pounds. We found the spouse. It was a great year. But the question is, when we crossed that line, was it all that it promised that it was going to be? I mean, when I accomplish that financial goal, don't I have in the back of my mind, man, I'd really like to have some more. You know, maybe you were the ones that, you know, you lost the 20 pounds, but then you put five more back on over the holidays, or five more is what you're telling people when you really put on 10. Or maybe 2023 was great for you because you found a spouse and now you're thinking you might have picked wrong. It happens, you know? Even when we got all the stuff that we set our eyes on in 2023, did it really satisfy us the way that we thought that it would? And again, we set our sights on a new year and we're reminded of all the stuff that didn't happen for us or didn't satisfy us in 2023. And you can't help but ask, is this all there really is? Just doing this year after year? But what if it isn't? What if we could set our sights on something this year that would truly satisfy us? That when we found ourselves on the other side of it that we wouldn't be disappointed? What if we could transform this year, not in the way that we want to or even plan to, but we could transform in the way that God really desires for us to transform? And so this morning, we're looking at the book of Titus, almost the whole thing. And I'll tell you what happens in chapter one, so you kind of got the whole book under your belt. But it's written by a guy named Paul, and he's writing to a young pastor named Titus. And so Paul is starting these churches all over the ancient Mediterranean world uh, just after Jesus has been killed and resurrected. And so he's starting these churches, but he can't stay there, right? He's got to leave and go start other churches. So he starts this church in Crete, and he hands it over to this young pastor named Titus. And so this letter is of vital importance to Titus because it kind of functions as his 
how-to manual to lead this church that Paul has started. And so much of this is Paul telling Titus then what to tell his congregation. And so this is what he says in in the start of chapter 2. As for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect, and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or to be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and to be pure, to work in their homes and to do good and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and the seriousness of your teaching Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. I love this because these sound like amazing resolutions, don't they? I mean, these sound like real resolutions. That Titus is supposed to teach his congregation these things. And it makes my small goals of, you know, getting out of some debt and losing some weight and doing this or that, feel kind of small in light of these crazy and hard and difficult but but lofty resolutions. Let's kind of unpack this a little bit because that was a lot. Let's look back at verses 2 through 3. It says, teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. And not only are older men and older women instructed to do these things, of course they are, but they're instructed to do these things because they're responsible for modeling that behavior to the next generation. Right? They're responsible for, for taking this culture of good deeds on to the next generation. In verses 3 through 6, it says, They should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and to be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame upon the word of God. In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. And so it's clear here that there's this generational responsibility that older men and older women are responsible for discipling the next generation, for teaching the next generation. And it's really in that that we find learning number one, that my motivation to transform needs to be bigger than me. That my motivation to transform, it, it needs to be bigger than me. And so what does this look like in your life? We, we all have someone that's watching us. And what are they learning when they're watching? I mean, it's some of our biggest fears as a parent are wrapped up in our kids making the same mistakes that we made. And so what are we modeling for them? What in my life needs to change so that I can fully say to my kids, you know, follow me, follow me. 
Because the truth is, is that our transformation, it's not just about me, is it? It's about those around me, those who are following me. And so what are people seeing when they look at you? Are they seeing a life that's worthy to be copied? Are they seeing a faith that they'd like to have? Are they seeing you model patience and learning patience from you? Are they learning love and how to love other people better because of you? Are they learning how to become more like Jesus from watching you? In verses 7 through 8, it says, And you yourself must be an example to them. By doing good works of every kind, let everything you do reflect the integrity and the seriousness of your teaching. Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing to say about us. And this is my favorite verse in the whole section, really in all of Titus. And I'm going to read it in a couple different translations because I think it's helpful as we unpack it. But it's verse 9. And it says, Slaves or servants must obey their masters and do their best to please them. They must not talk back or to steal, but must show themselves to be entirely trustworthy and good. Then they will make the teaching about our God, about God our Savior, attractive in every way. Another translation says pretty much the same thing, but I love the way it ends. It says, Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. And the truth is, is that we've found ourselves in the passage already, haven't we? That we're, you're either an old man like Scott or you're an old woman. Okay, I'm just making sure you're still awake. You're still with me. You're a young man or you're a young woman. And so we can take the lessons from what Paul is telling Titus to tell those people, right? If I'm an old man, I do this. If I'm an old woman, I do this. If I'm a young man, and so on and so forth. But the reason that I love this verse is that it speaks to all of us. Because we're all bond servants or servants in some way. We all serve something or someone. Another way to think about it is that we're all held accountable by something or someone. I mean, think about it, right? If I work and, and I'm an employee, well, I have an employer and I'm their servant to some extent. If I'm married, I'm called to be a servant to my wife. If I have kids, I'm called to serve them. Maybe you're thinking, well, I own my own business. Well, you're still accountable to a customer. And some of you are accountable and serve a board. That there's this lie out there that absolute autonomy is a thing and that somewhere out there someone can do whatever they want in the world. I just don't think that it's true. Because even if you're retired, you're accountable and you service your loans and your debts. And even if everything's all paid off, well, you're a steward and a servant of your estate. And so what this reminds me is that none of us are off the hook, that every single one of us is a servant in one way or another. And so if we're all servants, what are servants called to do? We're called to adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior. And he's 
called us to make the good news of Jesus Christ attractive to our world, to our neighbors, to our families, to our coworkers, to our classmates, to all those that, that don't know him. And so I think that this is where we begin to unpack the answer to all the stuff that we didn't get last year. Because what did all those things have in common? The money, the weight, the personal goals that I made, all those things, all they do is put me at the center of 2023. And what's supposed to be at the center of 2023? What's supposed to be the center of this year? Philippians 2, 3 says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. This is Paul that said that, who's also writing to Titus. So he says it again, basically in Philippians 2. And he says it again in Acts 20, 24. He says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. This is where we find learning number two. That our desire to transform needs to be wrapped in, wrapped up in what other people need rather than what I want. Right? That's the thing. That thing that you have your, your mind set on in 2024, listen, don't let me discourage you. Don't let me be the one that reigns on your parade. That the point of the passage today, the point of the talk today is not to convince you to live like a monk and to only come to church and to only read your Bible and that's all you can do is just pray and do churchy stuff all year. No, the point is to ask yourself, does this thing that I have my eyes set on in 2024 does it help me to adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ? Does this thing that I have my eyes set on in 2024, does it help make Jesus attractive to the world around me? Will getting into better health this year make Jesus attractive? Absolutely. It certainly can. Will getting my finances under control help to make Jesus more attractive to those around me? Absolutely, it will. And when I find and tap into this new level of self-control, am I gonna take the credit for that as people look at my life and wonder what happened? No, I'm gonna give that credit back to Jesus. Is the way that I'm living my life and treating my wife, is that making Jesus attractive to my in-laws? The way that I parent my kids? Am I teaching them to love God? Inviting them into a space where they can get to know God and and develop a relationship with Him? Or am I pushing them to a spot where they're going to be resentful of God? What am I doing this year to help the gospel of Jesus Christ be attractive to those around me. Listen, we're all servants. We're all his servants. 
And if you call Blue Ridge Church home, then you're on mission with us to help people find and follow Jesus. And I've been thinking about y'all the last couple weeks as I've been you know, getting this talk ready. Stories about how you adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ. I knew realtors who help people to find a home, but then they leverage that relationship to help them find a church as well. I know teachers who really deeply care about their students. I know business people who give generously and talk to their coworkers about Christ. I know people who just do something as simple as work out, but they invite someone that they can talk to about Jesus. They can talk to about their life. They can help them. I know people here who have been through some really dark times. And you turn around and you help others in dark times through your story. The question is, is that how are you adorning the gospel of Jesus Christ? What are you doing this year to look more like him? It's really hard, right? Because it's hard enough to stay motivated to lose a few pounds or to read the Bible in a year or to do all those things that we often set our minds on. But how are we supposed to stay motivated in that? Am I supposed to make Jesus attractive to everybody around me? Even early in the morning before I've had my coffee? Let's keep reading. In verses 11 through 14, it says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we're instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. He gave us life to free us from every kind of sin to cleanse us and to make us his very own people totally committed to doing good deeds. This is learning number three. We are free to transform, not because of what we have done, but because of what he has done. This is where we find our motivation, is that when the going gets tough and we're reminded of what Jesus Christ has done for us, It's not because of anything that we have done. It's because only through the things that he has done, that he's revealed himself, that he is continuing to transform us, to train us to transform into his image. He's continuing to help us to become people who are not entrapped by the things of the world and bad habits and all those things that we get caught up in, but he's transforming us in to people who are instead committed to doing good deeds. That this is the promise of of following Jesus is that when we pray that prayer, when we come to say, Jesus, I can't do it alone anymore. Would you help me? Would you guide me? He doesn't just leave us there in those circumstances. What he does is that he comes alongside us and he helps us to figure it out. And really, the hardest thing to do sometimes is just to get out of his way so that he can have his way and transform me the way that he has in mind to transform me. Philippians 1.6 has this promise in it. It says, 
I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. What a promise this is. That Jesus does that for us. Listen, if you're here this morning and you wouldn't call yourself a Jesus follower, but maybe you just came this morning because you wanted to try something new because 2023 was not your year. Let me encourage you to start the year in a totally different way. Paul goes on to tell Titus in in chapter 3, verse 3, once we too were foolish in disobedience, once we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures, our lives were filled with envy and evil, and we hated each other. But, but, when God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of His grace, He has made us right in His sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. This is where we find learning number four is that transformation doesn't start with us. That transformation starts with Him. Listen, the call to Jesus isn't a call to get your life cleaned up enough so that He'll love you. It's not. The call to Jesus isn't a call to do enough good things that He'll be happy with you. And the call to Jesus isn't a call to do more good deeds so that they outweigh your bad deeds. It's not that at all. The call to Jesus is a call to have faith in Him that He is the one that makes us right with God. Not the good deeds that I can do, not the good things that you can do, not the money you can give away, not the church attendance you have. It's all about what He has done. And listen, I think that if we hope in ourselves this year, if we continue to put that burden on ourselves, that it comes from my ability to transform apart from Jesus, I think we're going to be left with one of two things. One, I'm never going to accomplish what I set out to accomplish. Or two, I'm going to accomplish that thing that I set out to accomplish and it's never going to satisfy me the way that I thought that it would. Listen, if you're not a Jesus follower, can I invite you to place your trust in Him today? I don't want to invite you into that space so that we can throw a bunch of of rules on you and tell you what to do. We want to invite you into that space so that we can introduce you to a relationship with Jesus who loves you so much that he, he was willing to die for you. So he can spend forever with you. Would you take that step with him today? And listen, if you're a Jesus follower in the room, you've been following him for six months or 60 years or any time in between, I want to encourage you 
live your life in 2024 worthy of the gospel. Don't start with that thing that you want to transform, but ask Jesus, what is it, Jesus, that you really long for me to change this year? What needs to change? What do I need to give up? What do I need to leave behind so that I can be all that you want me to be? Listen, the truth is, is that Jesus isn't asking you to do one more thing in 2024. That certainly everyone else in your life probably is. Your kids, your responsibilities at work, your spouse, everyone's got one more thing for you. But all Jesus wants is more of your heart. And he wants you to ask, Jesus, what is it in my life that you want to transform this year? What is it in my life that if I changed, it would help make you more attractive to the world around me? How are you adorning the gospel of Jesus Christ this year? Listen, I think that if we stay at the center of our resolutions for 2024, we're going to start 2025 next year the same way that we started this year. Bummed out about all the things that we didn't get last year. But if we put Jesus at the center of our attention this year, if, if we truly commit to following him, recommit to following him, inviting men to that space where we're making goals for the next year, we might just be surprised at how close transformation actually is. That it may not be easy and it may not even make sense. But when we find that our motivations are right and our power source is plugged in to him, we'll be free to transform the way that he's calling us to. So the question I think for all of us this morning is, what does Jesus long for us to transform this year? What are you going to do this year that makes Jesus famous to the people around you? What are you doing to adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Jesus, thanks. Thanks for the opportunity for a new year to think about the things that we resolve to do. And we just want to invite you in to that space this morning as we're thinking about the year, as we've already been thinking about it. We want to invite you in to say what it is that we really need to focus on this year. For those of us who have never taken that step towards you for the first time, I pray that you would give that person the courage to just say, Jesus, I need your help. I've been trying to do this a long time on my own, and I just can't do it anymore. For those of us who have been following you, we have a next step. We have a next step in our relationship with you, toward a renewed mind, toward transformation that you're truly calling us to, would you help us to identify what that is? What it is we need to lean into, that we're doing well, what it is that we need to give up or leave behind 
in a different calendar year? Would you help us to take that step towards you today? And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, listen, thanks so much for being here this morning. I've got a few things I want to tell you about that I think are going to help you adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ to keep Jesus at the center of your year in 2024. And so there are a couple of groups. There's a Bible in a year group that will help lead you through reading the entire Bible in a year. It's a fantastic, fantastic group. They're out in the lobby. They'd love to talk to you about the app that you can get to help you stay accountable um, this year for that. There's also the Daniel Plan out there. And the Daniel Plan is a group that's focused on getting healthy together, staying fit, uh, around faith and friendships. And so if you want some accountability in your health goals for this year, that group's going to be one that you'll want to check out. And then if you're interested in leading a group, um, they're starting right at the beginning of February. But if you're interested in leading a group at all, uh, we're having a couple meetings the next two weeks right after the third service. You don't have to come to both meetings. Just try and come to one. But right after the 11 o'clock service, we'll get together, we'll eat some pizza together, and we'll hang out and talk about the idea that you have to start a group. We'll give you some best practices for how to lead a great group this winter. But thanks again for joining us this morning. I hope you have a great rest of your day. We'll see you next time.